Iceland as a destination. This is the Wild Eye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wild Eye. And in this episode, I'm going to share a little bit of information and my own experience of Iceland. Now, I'm talking both experience from a travel point of view and obviously from a photographic point of view. But I thought, just before I started this podcast, let me Google 13 strange and interesting facts about Iceland. So let's kick off with that, just as a bit of a kind of a warm-up as such. So, number one, more than 60% of the Icelandic population lives in the capital city of Reykjavik. Now, Reykjavik, to me, is a, it's an amazing, amazing little town. City? Town. I've said to people, it's like the Arctic, which is very linear and kind of functionally built, meets the renaissance it's amazing love that city the food is great and when you start driving around the island it's very easy to see why the majority of people would live in the capital Reykjavik the little towns you get to like Vic and Harley all these small ones on the south coast it's small there's like a couple of houses which is great uh next one Iceland was the last place on earth to be settled by humans now I didn't know this but it's one of the youngest land masses on the planet and over 1,100 years ago, Vikings from Norway discovered Iceland by accident. And I can just imagine the old days, because there's, there's obviously a strong Viking tradition there. Our, um, our, our local guide that we use for us, our tours there, the, the photo safaris, is, he's got this thing as well. And there's a very proud kind of strong nature. It's just amazing. Next one. Many Icelanders believe in elves and trolls. The belief in elves and trolls and other mystical creatures traces way back to the Viking age when they came there. The stories are plentiful. But um, if you go there, and we do chat about this in some of the at some of the destinations, about this waterfall, there was a like this this urban legend that a troll lived under it. And I also, and I'm speaking out of correction here, when when I go to Iceland, I normally spend a few days extra to go to Reykjavik, and I would highly recommend that. But there's why am I thinking Christmas has something to do with the troll there? I need to Google that. But the the curios you can buy is these little trolls with the big noses and elves and stuff. It's really cool. Uh, you can swim outdoors in hot springs all year round. Now, the Blue Lagoon is a big one. It's just outside of Reykjavik where people normally go to. And it's the, the swimming in these volcanic heated pools also dates back to Viking times. Hot springs can be found all around the country in all shapes and sizes. So pack your, your bathing suit just in case. So I'm going back to Iceland in June with Michael. We're hosting a tour. There's still one or two spots left. And we might just look at stopping and swimming because we're going in summer winter may be different but you can still do it but if you look at the pictures go and just google blue lagoon and swimming in hot springs really really awesome uh iceland is one of the most eco-friendly countries in the world now how's that iceland was recently ranked one of the eco-friendliest countries in the world and since almost all of the electricity is produced by renewable energy sources such as waterfalls and such it's easy to see why the capital city Reykjavik won a nordic nature and environment prize in 2014 and is they're chasing a goal of being carbon neutral by 2040. That's pretty neat. Iceland has the longest work weeks in Europe. Okay, that's different. So Icelanders work about 45 hours a week compared to the normal 40 uh, in Europe. So uh, same as South Africa as well. Here's one for you guys. Beer was banned in Iceland until 1989. Iceland went through a prohibition of beer, which began in 1915 and then ended in 1989 after a referendum vote by the population. So 
every March, which is now, as I'm recording this yesterday, the 1st of March, the country celebrates Beer Day or Bjordagurn. I don't know if I said that right. Bjordagurn. Probably not, but I think it's close. So to commemorate the end of the 74-year beer ban. Now, I know a lot of my clients and some of my guides, we quite enjoyed partaking in a cold beer after a long day. So I'm very happy about that one. Okay, next fact about Iceland. About 11% of Iceland is covered by glaciers. So a study has shown that that amount of the landmass of Iceland is covered by glaciers. It's one of the main attractions in the country. And to date, I think they've named about 270 going 300 have names. Iceland is also home to Europe's largest glacier. I'm going to try and say this name, Vatnajökull, <laughs> which is equivalent to three times the size of Luxembourg or even Rhode Island. And the glaciers, we've seen them in different stages on the various trips we run. So in the summer tour and the winter tour, we go and see these things. You can put drones up, so the views you get of these things absolutely amazing. Here's a random one. One in ten Icelanders will publish a book. And that's pretty awesome. The tradition of reading in Iceland dates back to the 13th century, and with one out of ten Iceland publishing books in their lifetime, it's clear that Iceland is a very literary-focused country. So if you're looking to add some Icelandic literature to your reading list, be sure to include some novels by written by, I'm not going to say this, Haldor Kiljan Laxness. I wonder how I'm doing. One of the country's most noted authors who was awarded, awarded a Nobel Peace Prize in literature. Now, I, on my last trip to Iceland, we, there's this little shopping street in Reykjavik. It's just off the Rainbow Street with all those colors. And it's a stunning bookshop. And they've got a little coffee shop inside, which serves a killer chocolate mocha coffee thing. It's just amazing. But they've got a phenomenal selection of Icelandic books, that both in Icelandic and that have been translated to English. So looking to get something, highly recommended. Uh, based on the flag, of course, the national colors of Iceland are red, white, and blue. Now, that represents the elements that the land is made up of. Iceland's volcanic fires are represented by red, white for the snow, and ice for the blue of the ocean. I bet you didn't know that. So, the next interesting fact about Iceland, the Icelandic horse is the only horse breed in Iceland. Now, we go to Iceland for the experience and for the landscape photography thereof. Yes, in summer we do get some puffins, difficult to photograph because they're very quick, and also the Icelandic horses. There's some cool sheep as well, but... The Icelandic horse specifically has played a very important part in Iceland's history. They're believed to be one of the purest breeds in the world, and they're known for their muscular bodies and kind of the long manes, which obviously protects them in winter which and then it's shorter in summer. they found all around the country, and they're known to be both curious and friendly, and we've had some amazing stuff. So we'll drive along, and the like I, like I said, you can literally stop anywhere, and there's something cool. But as you drive along and you see horses, we can say, okay, cool, let's stop and have a look at them. They are very curious. They come right up to you. And the best shots I got of these things on my last tour to Iceland was with my iPhone. Go on the wide, on the 0.5 lens, stick it close in their face. Phenomenal images. They are quite short and stocky, but they, they're really, really fun to photograph. And I suppose the friendliness and the curious nature comes from the fact that they don't have any natural predators in Iceland. Now, what I did find curious is that if you walk in Reykjavik, there are two big shops that do curios and kind of travel stuff that have polar bears outside the shop. Those polar bears, they stand on the back legs and they wear like an Iceland hat or something. And you don't actually get polar bears in Iceland. However, and I spoke to some of my Svalbard guides, and this was confirmed by my guide in Iceland, that sometimes... The, if, you, if you let's just double back to Svalbard, how the polar bears feed is they will 
stay on land and in their dens during the winter time. And when the summer then opens up in Svalbard and the ice cap starts pulling away from the north coast, the bears start hunting seals on the ice, on the float ice, right? So they look for seals, they look for seal holes and the hunt. As this cracks up, these ice pieces start to drift. Now, with the currents and stuff, a lot of them drift towards Greenland, so kind of in a northwesterly direction away from Svalbard, and they end up there. And it has also then happened, but if, if I remember correctly, one of my guides said it's only like once in the last 10 years or something, a polar bear ends up on the north coast of Iceland because of this, con this ice drift and such. But you can get polar bear goodies in Iceland. I didn't buy it because I think it's cheating. You have to see them in Svalbard. But, but that's anyway, coming back to the horses, that's probably why these things are so curious. The same thing kind of goes for, for, for reindeer, Svalbard reindeer, because the only predator that they have is polar bears, and polar bears aren't known for really actively hunting them. It's got to do with energy expenditure, of course. So a polar bear doesn't want to go run after a reindeer and expend energy and not get it. So seals for them with the fat blubber and things, that way better energy source for the amount of effort they put in. Right, back to my list on interesting facts about Iceland. The Northern Lights can be seen in Iceland from September to March. Now, this should be on your bucket list. I've seen it a couple of times. It is amazing. It is truly, truly amazing. And a lot of people are attracted to Svalbard because of the Aurora Borealis. So September to March is the best time for this light show, although it's, of course, never a guarantee like anything in nature. Well, I suppose I can guarantee that the waterfalls in Iceland will run because there's a lot. The incredible natural occurrence is created when solar particles interact with the atmosphere in the Earth's magnetic field, right? But we can dig into that when we're on the trip and we discuss while we're looking at it. And then last random one for you, Iceland's national sport is handball. Right? They also play a lot, and I remember Chris, our guide, we were waiting for the Northern Lights one day, and he had his iPad out, and there was a huge basketball game going on, local. So other sports, of course, football, basketball, horseback riding, but the national sport is actually handball. Now, I know nothing about handball, but apparently it consists of two teams, seven players, a rectangular field, and you score by driving the ball into the opposite team's net. 60 minutes, the team with most goals win, they love to play and watch this. And in 2008, the national team took home a silver medal at the Olympics in Beijing for handball. There you go. So, interesting place. And this is just some of the peripheral stuff that we talk about when we go to Iceland. It's a phenomenal tour that we run there. So, the idea for us in winter is we focus on the south coast. So, we start in Reykjavik. And then if you look at a map of the country, we start in Reykjavik, which kind of is at the bottom left of the map and we hug the coastline all the way around we spend a couple of days in Vic from Vic we do the Diamond Beach and we do sorry no I lie Vic is the black beaches I must get this right the black beaches with the the ocean pillars what are those things called the these these I'll get to the name now these pillars in the ocean makes for phenomenal photography we then go further on to a little place called Harley where there's a country hotel and from there, we focus on the glaciers and the Diamond Beach, which is basically a black beach. And what happens is there's like an outlet. So if you imagine this, you've got the ocean, you've got the beach, and there's an outlet like a river coming in. If you follow this river up, it opens up into a glacial lagoon. And at the far end of that is the, the head of a glacier. Now, as this thing calves in this glacial lagoon, we spend quite a bit of time there as well. It's great photography. You've got all these big chunks of ice 
the, the blue glacial ice in different stages of melting, if you will. And what happens then, as the currents go forward and back, forward and back, the, this link between the glacial lagoon and the ocean almost forms like a pump. And it pumps all of these loose, smaller blocks of ice out into the ocean, and then the current dumps it back onto the beach. The photography there is amazing. Now, even during summer, you, you do get the Diamond Beach. In winter, it's a little bit more. But also what's nice in winter is you can actually get this. You're shooting straight east from the Diamond Beach, right? So you can get the sun behind um, the water, the blue or white ice, sometimes looks silver, and then the black beach. It is phenomenal photography. You would need, and I'll talk about this in a bit, you would need filters in order to drop the exposure to get that beautiful movement of the water. But even in summertime, it is phenomenal to photograph. I also did some really cool stuff with my iPhone where you put the video, or you, you can stick your iPhone on the 0.5 wide lens underneath the ice and photograph up at the sky. There's really cool stuff to be had. But now, apart from the Diamond Beach and the the the, the, the Black Beaches at Vic, we also then from Vic go up to where the Puffins kind of, they have a colony, the Puffins. And it's difficult to photograph because you, you can't walk off the area. It's protected. So you walk on this one pathway, and then these puffins are in the sky. They fly in, and they land in the grass next to you. I don't know if you've ever tried to photograph a puffin in flight. It is very, 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 very hard. Uh, good fun, though. We keep trying. And then sometimes you're lucky that they land close by, so you get nice portraits and stuff. Apart from that, the summer tour, then, we focus on the lagoons and a lot of the, the hikes that we do in. Not, not dramatic hikes. You don't have to be able to walk up Kilimanjaro. You just have to be able to hike a couple of kilometers with your camera. The views and stuff is spectacular. Now, I'm not being blasé here, but I've had the chance to see some pretty cool stuff in my life. I've been very privileged. And the last time before, well, in a while, when I got to the Grand Canyon for the first time, I'm like, holy hell, that's pretty impressive. And on my last summer tour to, to Iceland, there were a couple of those moments where we walk and you hike and you think, oh, that's pretty, this is cool. And then suddenly you come over this ridge and it just opens up into, it looks like a fairy tale world, something out of Game of Thrones. Funny enough, a lot of Game of Thrones was actually shot in Iceland. Different story. So we cover the east, the, the, the south coast. We go all the way to Vestrahorn, which is a beautiful mountain and beach area. For, it's, it's probably one of the most photographed mountains, and I'm going out of limb here, in Iceland. It's really, really amazing. And then in the summer tour, we head up, and this is the one I'm doing in June now, we head up on the east coast and then kind of turn back in north, and we go to the highlands. Now, for those of you that are listening that did the, 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 the winter tour with me, the summer tour takes you to, and I can think of three of the waterfalls up there that is totally overwhelmingly beautiful. It is because you kind of get there after spending time and you almost, you almost by, by day three or four, you're like, okay, you know what? These waterfalls can't get any more amazing. You get to the highlands, they are absolutely insane. And the photographer we do up there is just stunning. So by this time, you would have known how to photograph these things because we would have spent time teaching and explaining. Mike and myself will walk around, we'll help you out. But the beautiful thing about it is there's not just one spot to photograph from. So there's like a, a railing and you can walk up and down a couple of hundred meters to get views of these different waterfalls. And if you've ever been in the position where you have thought that photographing a stationary thing like a waterfall or a landscape is boring, I challenge you to join me in Iceland and I will prove you wrong. 
the amount of angles, the different lenses from, you can do anything from a 14 literally to a 600. You literally can. And in summertime, I would recommend a slightly longer lens, maybe like a 400 with a converter. If you're mirrorless, it's a different game. It's very easy then. Whereas in winter, you need more wide stuff. And I probably wouldn't go more than 7,200. But the photographing of the waterfalls up in that northern part is just ridiculous. And then from there, we loop back round and we end in Reykjavik for the last dinner. And like I said, I highly recommend that you look at a day or two extra inside Reykjavik. The, the, the very cool thing that Christy and I did on our last trip, one of my clients, is we spent a day, we walked into Reykjavik, because from the hotels, it's easy to walk around, but they've got the scooter system. It's called Hop, H-O-P-P. There's an app for it. So you download the app, you walk around, and then on the map, it's like an Uber map, you see oh, on the corner there are two scooters, and you see what the battery power on them are. You walk up to them. Now, you've obviously linked up your app to your credit card, and then you scan like a QR code on, this, on the scooter, and it activates it right? You can then zip around. It's probably the most fun I've had since being a kid. It was amazing. We went up and down. These things are nice and fast. You stop at a shop. You go outside. It, nobody can take it because it's locked until you unlock it or, or log out of it, so to speak. Then it becomes available. So we would drive along. My battery would be flat. Stop. Just park it anywhere. Log out. Look on the map. Where's the next one? Grab it and go. Highly, highly, highly recommended. So if you are coming with me in June, I plan to definitely spend a day or two in Reykjavik. The restaurants are amazing. I'm talking like top level amazing. Do it with a scooter and a bit of shopping. You've got a beautiful ending to an amazing photographic tour. Now, from a photo potential point of view, it's you can literally, I'm going to do this as I speak to you. I'm just going to Google Iceland photography. And I would urge you to do the same. Photography. And I want to see what pictures come up here. Because, I mean, I can share all my stuff with you, but if you just Google and you go and look at Iceland photography, holy hell, it's, I'm, I'm actually going to use the, the, what I'm looking at here now, I'm going to use as the screenshot for this podcast. On here, I can see three, four of the main waterfalls we go to. There's Vestrahorn, it is some Northern Lights, it is, it's literally, guys, it is ridiculous. You don't need any photographic experience on this. I've had people on there who literally have a brand new camera. They've got an 18 to 55 kit lens, the one that you don't have to buy expensive. It just comes with the camera. And they walked away with insane images for them. You can scale that up. You can get 14 to 24 2.8s or a 16 to 35 if you speak Canon. I am I then am in the process right now of investing in a Nisi filter kit, the V7 filter holder with a circular polarizer, um, up to 10 stop filter. So what that is, it's those pieces of glass that you'll see some photographers slide in front of the lens. What that does, it makes it really dark from a camera's point of view. And then the, you can have longer shutter speeds. And that's where, if you look at the images that I mentioned, if you just Google Iceland photography and look at images, that's how they get these smooth waterfalls. So I'm investing. I haven't put it this way. I haven't invested in any photographic gear really for myself in a very, very long time. I'm lucky enough to have access to all the camera gear at the Wilder office, which we rent out. So if it's not rented, I can use it. But I am, I've been working with Olympus South Africa for the last six, no, since 2006. So the last four or five years. And I have all the gear that I need. But I am so excited at the prospect of what I'm going to do with my filters in Iceland that I'm buying it. And it's not a cheap exercise. Look, actually, no, cancel that. It's not a cheap exercise because I didn't plan it. But for what you get to do with it and what you can create, I don't think, from look, from a photographic point of view, it's not expensive if you compare it to lenses and stuff. 
So you can add those onto any of your lenses and suddenly you're creating a whole different world. And also, even if you just want to use your iPhone, I can actually, I must actually upload an iPhone gallery because I shot on my previous Iceland trip, three cameras, the Olympus EM1X, the EM Mark II, and my iPhone 12 Pro Max. And I took just as many images with my phone as with the other ones. And looking through Lightroom, I literally can't tell the difference until I go into the metadata. You don't need a fancy camera. You just need a camera. And again, and if you, if you travel with me on any destination, you'll remember, I'm going to tell you to put your camera down sometimes and just stand back and think, holy hell, look how cool it is where I am. Guys, Iceland is a destination. Really, I was expecting a lot because I came off the back of Svalbard. But what this place offers and the landscapes and the overwhelming natural beauty, it is both as diverse as it is overwhelming as it is everywhere. So go and Google Iceland. Go and look at the images of it. Go and I've, I've put on the Wildlife blog, I've got one or two blogs on comparing winter with summer. But And if you have any questions, you want to Zoom or chat, get hold of me. My email, jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, at wild eye, two words, wild eye, with a dash in between, .co.za, or hit me up on any of the social channels, Jerry van der Valt, and I would love to explain things to you, even if you can't join and you just want to have a chat about it. I promise you, you will not be disappointed with a trip to the land of fire and ice. I look forward to getting back there, and I hope some of you can join me, but if you can't, just make sure you get there. It's amazing. Guys, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for lending me your ears. I will chat to you all in the next episode. My name is Jerry. I'm from Wild Eye. Have a good one.